1: Hello, and welcome back to the Marseille View. I'm Stefan, and I'm your host. It's been a few weeks now. Um, We've had a little break over the Easter holidays and the international break, but we're pleased to bring some new content tonight. So on tonight's show, we'll be focusing on last night's fixture with Montpellier, but we'll also discuss some of the latest news stories in and around the club. So joining me tonight is Ben. How are you, Ben? Nice to have you Hi, back. Everyone.
0: Yeah, it's good. Well, as you say, we had a bit of a break. I think you
1: know there was the international break,
0: and um, then there was Easter, and you know there's only been two games since we've we uh, restarted. I'm I must say I'm happier that we have. we're back to this classic one game a week schedule because two games a week, especially with the drops we were seeing at the time, was, was really draining wasn't
1: it? Absolutely it's quite hard to cover with the pod as well, when there's so many games uh, I found this earlier on in the season, it was quite difficult when, when we were in the Champions League as well, just to keep up every time you know, we, we did an episode there was just so many matches but yeah, the, just, I'm, just to say that I'm so glad the international break was over, it was just like the dullest 10 days I can remember for a long time that <laughs> so I just we were talking before we recorded that's why I was so bored I was on holiday that week as well and it was the week of the international break so it was another thing that I was like very dull week nothing to do but yeah so um, also actually with us is Kaylee. how are you yeah, yeah, I'm good it's um, it was nice to it was an eventful match at least last night
2: so uh, D.O.N. game was a bit more it was a
1: bit of a it was born really in comparison, wasn't it? Yeah. So it's it's been quite a while, isn't it, since we last had, had you on. Um but yeah, yeah ne- first nice game time. In
2: September, so just been suffering a long since then, really.
1: Well nice to have you back with us. Nice
2: to meet
1: you. So I guess with further ado we'll just get started and um before we talk about the Montpellier fixture, um Marcy did return from the international break I think with a fixture against Dijon I think it was last Sunday and that match ended 2-0 courtesy of headers from Ballardi and Alvaro correct me from my memories I'm a bit frazzled but, um, so yeah, just I guess briefly guys we we'll a just have a little chat about that match, um, what did you make of the Dijon game? I
2: uh-huh. Yeah, I mean we had so Go ahead, many, Katie. Go ahead. Sorry, sorry, yeah, we had so many shots, but I think in, we had some, like something close to twenty shots, and about three of them were on target. It was just a bit. I know we won, but it was a bit lackluster, you know. Um, but the like had better possession and stuff like that, but I don't know. A lot of it was sloppy, and from from memory anyway. And for a team that is where it is, I, I think we should have won by a lot more, but. I don't know. There seems some something lacking in terms of spirit. I'm not sure. I Can't really pinpoint it. But um, I mean, it was a win, so we can't really complain too much. But yeah, I think it could have been a lot better. You know.
1: That's interesting about the the number of shots. I just don't really remember that much of the game. I, I kind of my memory was that there wasn't a lot. Of, we can't have had many clear chances kid could, could we? I don't really remember just remember it being a bit of a maybe not the most exciting of our recent games, I don't know what, what have you been like what, what did you think
0: Well Katie sent it up you know twenty shots only three on target. that means that a lot of them were wayward. Um, I do remember um it, it, we crossed the ball quite a lot. Um, it was quite reminiscent of the Garcia days where, you know, the, the fullbacks are overlapping, crossing into the box, but Milik didn't really have his shooting boots on. Um, Payet and Tovin, uh, we'll we, we analyse them better when we discuss the Montpellier game, but they, I think they're really struggling to find their, their place in this system and, and they're, they're, they're now doing what Samson and Rongier are doing, which is running around like busybodies, but not, not actually being very productive. Um, and, and in that game, that's what happened. And Payet notably missed, I think we were 1-0 up at half-time. It was one of those where you know that if you don't kill the game off when you're mate at the Velodrome, you're, you know, you're, you're exposed to an equaliser. Um, and Dijon started having chances. But before that, Payet had, I think he had two clear opportunities on goal and he just shinned both of them, completely mishit him. Um, very poor shots when he was, he was sort of one-on-one with the keeper. And from there on, it was quite nervy until we killed the game off. So I think the the main analysis to take away from it, I'd I'd always said when he joined, I would wait, reserve judgment on Sampaoli. You know, I'd give him sort of a month with the players, especially after the international break, when not many of our players went away. So he, he had the chance to work with them. I was expecting much better things in terms of content. Um, and it, it's just what it, going back to one of the comments he made actually before the Dijon game was, you know, one of the things he's come to realise is, is the, the technical relationship in the team is quite poor um, and the players, he's got talented players, but they're, they're not very complimentary. And, and it, it goes, you know, it goes in, in, the, in the direction of what we've all been saying here um, for, for months, which is that this team was was built... Badly, you know, the, the players weren't, weren't selected on base of complementarity. It seems they were selected on talent or stats and it, it leads to us looking very disjointed even against weaker
1: teams. Okay, um, that's an interesting point, actually, but I think that's not a recent problem. I think that our team has been like, that, that's been a problem for a number of years where we've built squads that are actually Quite full of talented footballers, but there there isn't really. A, I don't know. They make as a collective, they, they they're not they they don't mash well on the pitch, you know. So we always had that problem under Garcia um, with the midfields for example, Gustavo Stripman Pie. It just didn't, you know, it didn't work. They didn't complement each other, and so on. So I think that's been a problem for a few seasons actually. But that's interesting because some of the players now. Quite a few of them, anyway. are Kind of from the post, Zubi Garcia Uri. Anyway, so uh, you know, so yeah. Well, I think
0: um, I think his comments. It, it was interesting to hear some say it in in terms of you know being very honest. But it's it's a bit. I think it's one of those special contexts where he he maybe he can say it and get away with it without ruffling feathers because. Let's face it: a good third of this squad are, are leaving on free transfers at the end of the season, and some of them are already gone. So, I think he, he's, you know, he's laying the foundations, and hopefully, he's giving us a bit of a, you know, preview of what he's going to focus on when it comes to this summer's transfer window. Obviously, depending on what funds we have, he's he's going to try and make sure he fixes the balance. Hopefully,
1: I think we're kind of going off topic a of but we can probably pick up some of this stuff maybe later on. Actually, I guess. I don't really have anything else to say about Dijon. To be honest, I think like the as you guys said, um, not really much like happening. Lots of kind of half chances and pie missing to easy chances. But I think from my opinion, it would seem to be more down to him being too casual rather than mishitting them. Um, I think just far too relaxed. But okay, so I guess we should probably move on to the the main segment of this podcast, which will be. Um, last night's Mont- Montpellier fixture. So, we went into this game... I don't know, I'd like to say we were like riding high because although we obviously had the three points last weekend against Dijon, you know, if we've kind of quite cleverly um, just left this one out, but right before the international break we were absolutely battered, weren't we, by Nice? So, we're, we're clearly still a team in transition. Um, so, I, can't, I, I wouldn't say we went into the game full of confidence as such but um, and, yeah I would say that Montpellier was always going to be a difficult game but um, anyway so last night's fixture ended 3-3 and it was a very like topsy-turvy game you know we were down then we were up and then we were down you know um, sorry and then sorry and then we lost the lead and so on so it kind of like went back and forth um, with quite a bit of drama at the end Um, so guys yeah just Again, just like a general summary first, like what what did you make of last night's game? It's quite. I thought it was quite an exciting game, wouldn't wouldn't you say?
2: Yeah, I, I thought it was an exciting game, but I think a lot of uh, not just this season, let's be honest. But um, I think the overriding thing that came across again is the the ill-discipline, the lack of discipline, especially defensively yesterday from from the get go, the gaps that were opening up for law and and. Um, it, it was just, it was unbelievable at times, almost calamitous, like, um, and w- yeah, you always feel at the minute, like, um, there's a red card waiting to happen, there's a lot of petulance, like Balerdi in particular, Tovan, it, mainly at the start of the first half, like, just doing petulant things and, and breaking the game up, uh, lack of concentration, it's, it's quite unusual in a game to concede a goal, like less than a minute from kickoff and then in the second half it was something like two minutes from the kickoff and I am I'm finding it really frustrating. At the minute I thought maybe that would be getting ironed out but I I felt like it wasn't really. Um I, I think it was for all of them as well, not just those players I, I pointed out, but um just, just especially defensively, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think um we kinda knew because we've had such a bad discipline disciplinary record all season, but we knew with that that referee, didn't we, last night that that it, it was the writing was on the wall that we would probably get someone sent off. I think he's had quite a few red cards. He's 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 dished out throughout the season. Um, so yeah, um, but yeah, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Like we we do we just look quite all over the place, um, particularly defensively. Um, both with discipline but also with um just like awareness, you know, like an and organisation and and stuff, we just look very like kind of disoriented actually, I, I would say. Um yeah, um Ben, what about you? What, sorry, sorry Kyrie, you got something yeah. Yeah,
2: sorry, I was just I was just gonna add as well, like defence, like the high line at times will caught out quite a lot of times it looked like They could have scored more. I don't know if maybe it's a tactical thing or just something's not sitting right for some of them, especially at the back. Gonzales, yeah, especially it was... Every time they attacked, you thought maybe something would happen, you know. I know the game itself was frantic, but, yeah, it's just really frustrating, isn't it?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think... um... Yeah, that like the gaps, uh, as you said, defensively, and it's always like the the balls over the top. The two the, the two goals actually the, the first two goals Montpellier scored them, they were balls over the head, over and over sort of over over the head of a bat line, and they were they're so high up that they get getting caught out. And actually, I think the second one, particularly Chilletasar, is just like ball watching. He's just watching it kind of come over him. Um, yeah, they just don't look like the used to that kind of system yet, or. I don't know, it's a, it's a weird one that... I think Bill for me, I don't know about you guys, but I thought Bill looks like he's... A, although his performances aren't perfect, and he makes a lot of errors, but he looks more comfortable in the tactical setup than the other two. The other two look like they've been used to playing together a particular way, and now suddenly I mean, they've been asked to do it differently, and they just don't really know how to respond to it, and I don't know... I mean slightly different with both players and I, I mean, will maybe come into this later on with the tops and flots but they look like one of them looks dis, just uninterested and the other one looks like he's just I mean as always just wanting to like kick everybody and, and sort of get in everyone's way but he just doesn't look like very settled um, I don't know, it's, just, it's a strange one but yeah they definitely don't look like they're used to the system to me um, Ben, what about you?
0: Yeah 100% um, defensively there's two things, yeah, there's players, Valardi, you can tell he's comfortable, he's more comfortable because he's, he's a bit, you know, error-prone, but when he goes in and he, and he can commit to the challenges and it comes off, it's great because we win the ball a bit higher, but when it doesn't come off, it's good that he has coverage behind him to to mop up, but yeah, Alvaro, we, I think we've, we've said it as well, he's, he's a very good one-on-one defender in terms of physical duels, Putting a tackle in and stuff, but positioning, and you know, sort of carrying the ball forward from a from a defensive position, it's not often been his strong point, Even though he's, I think he's, he's sometimes surprised us in that sense, but yeah, he he he's the one who looks like he could adapt to it. But Chretaut, beyond his head being gone since January and his his failed move to Liverpool, he he just does not look comfortable in, in a four in a three at the back system because. And again, all of the, all of the, all three of them are, are similar. They're tall, ball-winning defenders. None of them have got pace, um, so it's not again. It's not a complementary, you know, trio that you could play comfortably in, in, a, in a in a free man defence because you need to have different profiles, and that's that's, that's the appeal of a free man defence. Um, I, I the game overall. I mean, I was I was. Paranoid, paranoid and, and, you know, sort of playing devil, devil's advocate. I was expecting the same game as, as we put in away to Nice, where we'd, we'd give it a shot. But ultimately, Montpellier, they're just so good at home against us in recent years, they'd pick us apart. Um, and it, it didn't, you know, even though we, we, we managed to get a draw and, and we scored three goals, which I, I still can't believe, um, we, we just got punished. And, and the high line, Katie, you, you've hit it on the head. Why go away from home at a, at, a, at a, you know to a team like Montpellier? We know we always struggle against against Delors, against Labo, even when we played them at home in in, in January for the first games after after the the, the the winter break we weren't comfortable they were getting in quite in behind quite a bit. Its just, why would you do that away from home um you know and and not take it that that's already a bit suspicious. And then you add to that the, the, the lack of concentration and, and the, the momentary lapses in in paying attention, which led to to, the, to to very early goals in either half, which is quite frankly not not acceptable at this level.
1: Just thinking kind of about Sar, um you know, I think he was again. We'll, we'll maybe come to this later on, but just thinking about his um, attitude on the pitch, do you think? Because I know, like you said, that he, his head is maybe not there because his um failed transfer to Liverpool and it's like I know we always say that, don't we? Like when when this sort of situation happens, but there's got to be something particularly about you know, when someone is and if the story's true that someone's at the airport, they think they're moving and then it doesn't happen. Um I don't know, I just feel like maybe those kind of circumstances it's probably never like good to change it at the last minute because when it's got to that stage it's like you think you're starting a new job, and then the day that you're about to go into, what you get a phone call saying, "Oh, by the way, that job is not available anymore." And then you're, you're back at your your old job the next day. It's never going to go well, is it? So I just I just feel like you, maybe the club Longoria has made a mistake there and and not letting that transfer go through, regardless about whether getting a replacement or not. But when you're leaving it that late. And the player thinks he's going somewhere, and you, you can't really expect he's going he's to come back and be as focused as he, as, as, as he always was.
0: I think if you add to that as well the you know, particular climate at the time, which was we were really struggling, AVB was, was on, on the ropes, you know, and he's living his last days at the club. Um, so you're you're Tsar, you know you struggled this season. You're you're an international that wants to go to the Euros. You're thinking, Wow, Liverpool, great, you know, great shop window. Uh, definitely get me in the Croatia squad, it's gonna move away from this, you know, this depressing state of affairs and climate at the OM where we've had a horrible first half of the season and been embarrassed in the Champions League. Go to Liverpool that sadly haven't been much better since then. Um, in terms of league form but maybe they would have done with him at the back with all their injury problems who knows yeah it's it's, it's both things isn't it not only not not starting the new job but then, but then you're just realising oh fuck I've got to go back to the training with the miserable you know miserable squad and, and a miserable fan base and it's, what's the fucking point sadly
1: on the subject of Chaleta Sarr might as well talk about his sending off um I've heard a few people with some different, for me anyway, surprisingly, a, a few people with some different views on whether or not that should have been a red card. Yeah, I'm just kind of interested to hear what you guys have to say about it. For me, it was a clear red. I, I don't think there's anything anything, I don't think I had any doubts about it because it just looked so aggressive, although... Um, I don't think he injures the you know there's any like serious harm to the player but it's just the intent in the need whether it's it's needed in that moment as well I, I don't think there's any real threat for why from the player that he needs to go in so forcefully so yeah I don't know what do you guys make of it do you think it was a red card? Uh, I, to be honest I'm watching
2: it i I know there's a difference between the, the officiating in the Premier League and the um league 1, but um, they were, they, he's, de- he's definitely got intent, the, the way he's, he brings his leg up, but in reality, he's, his foot's not planted. He hasn't particularly done it powerfully. He's he's basically came out and tapped him on the foot. At, at the time, I thought it was harsh, but at the same time, he deserves a red card for stupidity because it's it's a stu- it's, a, it's a stupid thing to do when you and you could see on his face like yeah he had the intent to it was just again ill discipline petulance and it, it's cost him. but i did I, I don't know i still think a yellow could have been reasonable as well but i understand the red at the same time <laughs>
0: I, I yeah i agree in the premier league you you probably get a, a yellow for that um, and again, you know, the more popular player did make a bloody meal of it, but you would. I'd expect our players to do the same. It's just, it's just gamesmanship. But yeah, the, 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 it doesn't follow through. You're right, Kayleigh. But yeah, the, the, the studs are showing. It's high and I have to say, it's probably one of the only consistent features of the refereeing in Liga this year. That every time I've seen that challenge, it has been a red card. So for every team, not just those. Um, so yeah, that, if you widen the debate to we we seem to get a lot of bookings and a lot of red cards. Well, at some point we're going to have to take a step back and, and admit what you're saying, Katie, which is yeah, there's a lack of discipline. There is a lack of self-control, a lot of ner- nervousness, um, and it's leading. The, the referees have got a player's numbers. They know. I think they I think they're told before every game. You know, standard yellow card for Alvaro Gonzalez as soon as he fouls someone. Um, and if, if let's face it, if, if Toretta Sarr wasn't sent off then, I'm 100% sure that Gonzalez does a stupid challenge a few minutes later and gets sent off as well with a second yellow. So it, it, it's it's sadly an accident waiting to happen in every one of our games.
2: Yeah, no, I'm, like, that's a, it's a good point you make because you know the referees are after you. So there should be a collective consciousness that, like, you're more at risk of, because of reputation, Alvaro every time is booked more or less so why, are they, not, they, they seem to want to be a victim of it as opposed to pr- being preventative and not putting themselves in that kind of positions with needless things, you know it's, it's, it's strange
1: Yeah Okay, so I know we talked about tactics earlier on, we talked about well briefly about the high line and stuff, um, but yeah just Thinking about the tactics again, like I, I noticed that Sampaolesi, and we expected this. He's put out a few different setups, hasn't he? Or changed his setup a few times throughout games. So he doesn't seem to be really fixed on any particular formation. And I think he said that as well, hasn't he? But this what when we saw a three-four-three, three, more or less, didn't we from? At least really to start off with, and for much of the game, um, and I, it was kind of similar setup against Dijon, wasn't it? And that, that we saw in the the four man midfield, we see like Luis Enrique's playing as a kind of left wing back, you can call it that. Yeah, do you think this is a good setup for this squad? Um, yeah, and how did it look yesterday?
0: He's trying, isn't he? He's, he's testing it he's um i think his his goal is to identify who can who can adapt to that sort of of you know flexibility and tactical changes in the games and um you know putting into practice what they what they drill in training you know if I give an instruction at some point this this is your new position this is your new role, and this is what's expected of you in that role. We can clearly see that some players will will adapt to that and others just just look a bit lost um uh, Payet still, you know, he seems he, he, even though we've all been crying for him to play in that number ten role. Uh, you have to say he, he just doesn't look fit enough and not sharp enough on the ball to 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 be an impact there anymore. He can't he can't you know can't dictate temper or anything because he either tends to get caught in possession or he, he's just lacking a little bit of power and 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 um, vision on, in, in his passing. Tovar another one where it, I, I don't know what the hell his position's meant to be. He's just—I he, I get the impression of seeing Morgan Tanson when I see Tovar in the last two or three games. He's just running everywhere. He's getting forward a lot more than Sanson. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, he just seems to be the busybody guy who who played in in, in midfield and then at a certain point will drift out onto one of the wings or, or even into that number ten role. Um, I think it's good that, that we do this because it is, it is modern football and it is how we're going to catch opponents out moving forwards. Is that flexibility and ability to change in games depending on the situations and the scoreline. Um, this squad, we clearly, um, we knew this, and it goes back to what we were saying about balance and players playing out of position and stuff. It, it, I don't think, as it is, these guys have the, the football IQ to, to put this into practice, sadly. Um, so hopefully that is one of the things they they look to um, to correct in the transfer window when they bring people in. Is are they going to be able to play this style? Are they going to be able to adapt? Have they done it before in, in, with other coaches and, and that type of criteria?
1: Mm, that's interesting because I think well one just going back to individuals like Papai like we focused so much on his weight and his attitude throughout the last season or so. But actually he's thirty four We need to remember that, so can we really expect him to be playing like he was four years ago, four or five years ago. I don't think we can like I mean at his age you would normally expect a player even of his quality and stature to be playing in like the m l s or something by now, so maybe it's just one season too many for him to you know for us to expect him to be able to assume a... Important role like a number ten, and, and you're starting eleven for a team like Marseille. I think it's probably just past well, the, the best. bigger
0: issue, yeah, the bigger issue is that we, you know, if he was coming on off the bench or we were playing him fifty percent of the time, maybe that would help him physically and and with his, you know, with his with his um, managing his his fitness and managing his energy and all of that and being sharper, but. Yeah, the, the bigger problem isn't the fact he's 34. The bigger problem is that, sadly, we've done nothing to recruit and, and improve our uh, you know our sort of quality and depth in those positions since the start of, of McCourt's We've who we brought up front, you know, Valer Germain, en- Enrique Radonich. None of them are good enough to, to be on the, on the team sheet ahead of a, a name like Dimitri Payet, sadly. And that's the bigger problem, is that we've not addressed this. And we are wholly dependent on him to put it out
1: of the bag, which he can't do anymore. Yeah, and it's not even that you're necessarily going to have anyone who's going to be better than him on the bench, but you want to have other players that can play his role. And the only player that we've got that could probably play that kind of role is Cali, I would imagine, and he's obviously not at that level. And as as you said, um, the McCourt, you know, they didn't really address that issue. In fact, I actually don't think it was an issue initially. I think initially we had... When they first came in, we had uh, Cabella and Alessandrini, who were useful players in that kind of way. Attacking midfielders that could play across the those sort of three positions, the ten, or they're on the right wing or the left wing. They were quite versatile. Um, whether or not you think they were out, you know, were outstanding or not, is I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, that's fair enough. I'm not saying that they're necessarily at the level of Payet, but they certainly were. Good options, I think, to come off the bench, and we don't really have anyone that's creative since that. well, then.
0: Yeah, they were better than Radonic and, and Enrique's, you know, I think he's coming on nicely now, and we'll see what he can do. But yeah, it's, certainly those two had a much bigger impact during their time at the club than Radonic and, and Enrique.
1: Yeah, so, um, but yeah, the, I guess what, one thing I was thinking is that you, you you think that those players might not be, like Pai and might not be able to adapt, but I think. Um, had, I mean, they played under Bielsa, and I know it's, it was different, and Bielsa maybe didn't chop and change his system so many times throughout games, maybe, at least I don't remember him doing that, the way that Sam- Sampali's doing, but they were certainly playing in a system that was expecting a much higher tempo from them, and, and, and a lot of movement. So yeah, I I would like I would have thought that they would be able to adapt it, but maybe it's been a long time and these players are about older and stuff, and I think maybe fitness might be I, a factor. Physically,
0: yeah, fit the fitness that is that is one thing that you know we can truly fault A V B for um, is what the fuck did they do in the summer in terms of of preparing for this season's. Number of matches and knowing we had the thin squad and stuff because everybody looks rinsed. It's been like that for for six weeks now, maybe even two months. And it, yeah, you can. tell maybe 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 these guys would be capable if they had you know pre-season with Sampoli, and and like Delta drills them into you know working hard, sweating their balls off, being being peak fitness, and performing at peak fitness and all of that consistently. And, and clearly, you can see there is a, there is a huge gap of fitness. In the whole squad which means that it's it's not helping in terms of deploying the system either
2: i think psychologically as well Paye, like with his age as well he doesn't have the carrot of playing well for to get in the fan squad realistically he's not going to i mean tovan is more realistic that he could but um as well for tovan is part of the he's playing like his contract situation feels does he want to be here anymore it, I don't know. You know, it, it kind of mirrors the situation with where he's going to be, really.
1: That's definitely the feeling you're getting, isn't it? He just looks a bit not committed. Um, his body language is is a bit worrying, but yeah. Um, Kaylee, do you do you have any um sort of thoughts on the tactical setup at all in that game? Just the three four three. You know Luis Enrique and Lerola as just sort of wing backs and so on. Do you think it's the right setup for this team? And
2: for I, I in terms of Luis Enrique, um, he's not a wing back for me. He was I, he was very suspect defensively yesterday, and I, I can't see him being permanently there. I mean, obviously he'll improve, but it just didn't it didn't suit him really yesterday. Um, as as for, for Lerola, I'm not so sure. How, I'm not sure how I feel about him. But um, yeah, it, it didn't didn't partic- and, and as well then um, there was a lot of miscommunication between and, uh, the, what at the start of the game. Sorry, and and they they gradually grew, but there was a lot of miscommunication between them two. Um, at first before they go before the build up of the goal, so I, I'm not. Sh- I mean, we've played. I think. San Pauli's had what five games now, and I think in those five games we've played three different formations. I think it was a 3 4 3 against Dijon, and but Dijon's in. Then, um, yeah, it's, he's obviously just feeling out for what's right, but I don't know for with that high line against against teams higher up the table, that's it's not going to be pretty, I think, anyway.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah, no, actually, yes. I can yes. I. I don't think. Lucy Enrique is a a left wing back, but he's. A, I do like him. I think he's a very very interesting player. But yeah, I don't know if that's the right role for him. It's a bit wasted, maybe um, playing that far back. But but yeah, um, okay. So I think I wanted to kind of sort of move on actually because there's a few things I want to talk about. So just looking at the tops and flops for tonight, last night's match. So who's your top and who's your flop? Who wants to go fast.
2: I'll, I'll jump in. Um, I thought I thought Gage was really good yesterday, but um, for me again, Camera was uh, for me probably one of the pick of the bunch. I know at the end, obviously, he was a, he should have been a bit closer for their equaliser. That but that was probably one of the only things he did really wrong in the whole game. Um, Flop wise, maybe the roller. I don't think he was that involved you know Um, and Milik wasn't was fairly I know he took his goal really well but um, he he was just alright you know
1: Okay, Um, Ben what about you who's your tops and flops
2: yeah top I'll
0: um, I I will go with Gay just I think because I feel like I've been slating him the last few weeks probably rightfully so as well I think he struggled since St. Pauli has arrived with whatever role and, and duties he's, he's telling him to fulfil compared to before when it was just him and Kamara side by side, clearing, cleaning up every ball in midfield. So he struggled last night. He was good. Um, yeah, he, he started pretty badly, like the whole team did. And then as we started dominating and creating chances towards the, the end of the first half, he, he was you know, really good in in driving the ball forwards, which he's not been good at recently, but then he he really turned it on last night and in the second half he was good, and he got a goal. Um, And Camara is a close second, but I think it's, we give it to Camara so often that I don't want to give it to him too much. Um, Flop. I, I, again, it it may seem harsh, but I was fuming with Mondandain on both goals. Um, I just don't understand why in first 40 seconds of a game, you would come rushing off your line like that, bearing in mind that, yes, Delar has got a head start, but you're, you're basically asking the question of him by leaving him and not coming out to, fit, you know, to come up with a screamer of a half volley to, to get it past you, and by that time, maybe one of the defenders would have caught up to him, or maybe would have fluffed it, who knows, but yeah, he, he, his, the way he came out as well, you know, just we know it's slow but it's just it was just not convincing Delors had all the time in the world and, and his body position when he did get to him was just no you know not enough to, to protect the goal and then on the second goal the same you know took a bit slow off his line and, and just between his legs and it's like oh mate you know he pulled off only one good save in the whole game um, every shot before that was goal for Montpellier, so and, and his clearances and stuff were just quite poor I think he, he's hate to say it, but he's done. Um, He he needs to retire gracefully because he's just going to wreck his his legacy now if he keeps going.
1: Yeah, I think um, I felt a bit conflicted about Mandanda's performance because, as you said, the first goal was just... It was was really hard to watch. It was almost like Triggered my PTSD from two seasons ago, where he—I don't know how many um, times he messed up coming out of his box. Um, but then he pulled off like the most outstanding save right at the end of the game, didn't he? So he clearly can still be a good shot stopper. But but I just—I mean, I'm, I agree. I wanted—I think it's time to move on from him. But um, so in terms of like being tops and flops, is a funny one because there's. You know he had some good moments, some very good moments, and some very bad moments. So I think the very bad moments are probably um, overriding the 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 good moments on it. They? They, they tend to like stand out more often. So he's definitely one of my flops for that reason, at least in my thinking. Uh, I would say that other flop would be well are was poor even before you know not just thinking about the sending off but before that he was just as we talked about earlier on he was um not looking very comfortable in the system and he just, just doesn't look right his body language um so yeah he's probably in my flop maybe enrique and uh do you know what enrique played some nice football when he has the ball but like as you said, Kayleigh, he does. he's not a wing-back and there's lots of space that's been left and just yeah, he's he, I, I don't know if I can put him as a flop but because it's not really his fault that he's been playing in that role but there is definitely, there's a weak link there in the team in a defensive game as a result. But my top would be is the obvious one but I'm thinking I might go with Balardi. made a couple of mistakes but for the most part, he had a pretty good game. He made a lot of good, solid tackles, and I think I quite like his um, Grinta, if That's the right word. He's just um, he's just kind of like he's about like a. He's got a bit of Alvaro in him, you know. He kind of gets um, he gets stuck in there, and but I think he's got a bit of quality and. I know a lot of people don't like him, but I've said right from the start. I think there's a player there, and I think um, yeah, I think he's with time. I think he will, he could thrive in Sam set setup. So I, th- I saw some things from him last night that I liked. So I- I'd probably pick him as the top. I
2: think he's he definitely improved. Actually, it was just niggly things like as you, you say, Grinter But um, last night, I think there was just too much of it going on for it to be admirable. You know. It was just yeah. a,
1: he's like Marmite isn't he he's not every, I guess he's not everyone's cup of tea some people are just not going to take to him very well because of the erratic moments and stress that he causes sometimes but
2: yeah we should probably give a flop honourable mention to Incham's I know he wasn't on for oh, very yeah. long <laughs> yeah that was uh,
1: yeah
2: that he's he's got to go hasn't he he's not, uh, not being retained sorry
1: yeah, we forgot about him, didn't we? Like we were, we're sorry for the listeners. We were talking about him right before we started, um, and how poor he's been. And yeah, just oh, he, he was not on for very long, as you said, Kelly. But he just doesn't like at the level. I, do you know what? I don't think it's that he's not at the level. I think that he's not had enough match practice. I think he didn't play a lot um, with Celtic this last season, and I I just don't think he's had a a good rhythm of minutes of games to sort of I guess build his confidence that's my feeling and I've been obviously generous um, with him but yeah he he's <laughs> fucking poor on the bit at the end with the uh, the corner flag trying to hold the ball on the corner flag and then losing it it's just like, oh god I've
0: got um, I've got his, his stats so we'll we'll uh, we'll do it we'll do a quick review after this of, of like recruits and the people on loan and stuff um, but yeah if, if you know, we do tops and flops. If I had to pick out the top moment of the game, Milik's goal was... It, it, that's probably one of the best goals I've seen a Marseille striker score in, in recent years. I mean, the first touch... I mean, the whole movement that, you know, the one-two with Camara, his first touch, the nutmeg, you know, the deft little touch when the ball's bouncing to nutmeg the defender. And then and then the finish, I was, I was just ecstatic at... at how good a goal that was!
1: Okay, so with that, then should we probably very, very quickly just do our takeaways? I've realised it's um, ten to nine, so um, we probably best get and move on quickly. But yeah, what was your takeaway then? Quickly from the game, is that your takeaway? The millet goal? I don't know, Ben. Do you want to go uh, first?
0: That and um, the, the only other takeaway is, as, as, as deflating as it is to concede the equaliser, I think it's that, that a draw was a fair result. But it's the scenario that is cruel because when you've done enough to go ahead twice away from home and you're down to 10 men, you've you've got to shut up shop. Um, And again, we've we've said, you know, Encham couldn't hold the ball up. Um, Before that, we had two, we had a four, five minute spell where we had two clear chances, and twice Tauvin was greedy and didn't pass it to Milik, who could probably have finished from, from the position he was in. Um, so, it's frustrating, but fair is all in all after going behind very early and then being equalised very early in the second half. That's the takeaway. We, we, you know, we can't complain too much about a draw away from the
1: Okay. Keely.
2: Yeah, I mean, overall, it was very frustrating. But when you look around the face of things, given um, the Europa League qualification spots, it was vital that we didn't lose and we didn't, despite the nature. And we're down to 10 men. So the there was positive to take. I mean, as it, it just as a general picture as well in, in five games under Sam Pauli, um we've lost one and we haven't particularly struggled for goals. I know the opposition hasn't been particularly strong, but um yeah, a lovely goal and for for having ten men it was it was a decent enough performance, you know.
1: Yeah, I would I would agree with that, yeah. Um I think for me it was um just and it was only moments, but I think for me, my takeaway is that there's the signs of something to be ex- not I see excited, but optimistic about for next season. Some some nice moves, some nice passing, some nice kind of triangles in moments, particularly the the Gago, for example. Just this there's some things there that are kind of coming together and I think that um, when things settle down and and in the summer we kind of have uh, the benefits of the pre-season and, uh, and also like just hopefully the manager being able to pick his squad and bring the kind of players in that he needs to, to play the kind of football he wants so I think maybe next season we might we might get some interest in football, so yeah, that's my takeaway. Um, I, I do. Um,
0: so I, I do have to give Hadi a shout out for Perron. because <laughs> he, he, he has been going on about Perrin for months. He's not a bad player. Is he good enough to be a starter in, in this OM team? If we if we recruit a better defender when Chileta, Chileta Sargos goes, and and if Baretti stays, I don't know, but. Kudos to Hadi, who's always believed in the lad, and he, he got his goal. And um, he was quite good actually. When he, when after after the goal, he was one of the better defenders. Um, when we were down to ten men, so fair play. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Sorry. yeah I was just going to say I, I think he's an adequate squad player, really, regardless of what happens with Salah. So, um, I, I I think he's got potential, but yeah, sometimes he's not great, is he? <laughs>
1: Do you know what, Kaylee, um I had to say it, but he's he reminds me of quite a few defenders I've seen at Newcastle United over the years. He's got Newcastle potential. Um, big lanky donkey in the making. He's got
0: he's got some Stephen Taylor in him, hasn't he? Exactly what I was
1: thinking. Yeah. That was the one I was thinking, but yeah, he's got he's got that sort of um what about him. He, he, You know you can do a good job, but you can see if we play them more, we would probably see quite a few um heroic, horrific errors. I think he's got, I think they're in there. They've they've just he's just not had enough minutes to show them. But yeah, so um, anyway, let's let's move on from this game because we're going to run out of time. So there was a a few um new stories in the last week. The first one was about Sampali's training session, so there was a story in the keep um saying that some of the players weren't happy with the new training methods. Um sorry. And um yeah, I, I guess it's not really surprising for us because we've thought for a long time that maybe the training at the club has been a little bit um lackluster, that some of the players' attitudes seem a bit kinda lackadaisical, um they're not very fit, as we see in games, and so we've had concerns for a while. We've seen comments that players have made when they've left as well, comparing it to their new clubs. So we've had concerns that before Sampoli came in, that it was going to maybe ruffle a few ferals. Um Obviously, some doubts about the veracity of some of the claims that Lake makes because they're not they've not got a great track record of um, covering OM recently. And knowing what's really going on, but yeah, I don't know. Have you got any thoughts on on those claims about these issues in in, in the squad with with Sampoli's training? Do you think um, something to worry about? Is that a healthy sign?
2: Even I, I didn't actually see really the but um, yeah, I wouldn't doubt its veracity because if if the the, the condition of some of the players is being really poor, and there's no doubt they'll be being made to work now. I mean, even if you look at Pai, his, his weight does seem to have come down, his condition seems to be better. And yeah, I, I wouldn't doubt it, to be honest.
1: Yeah. Probably you, Ben.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, there were two sides to the article. The one, the one that I don't think anybody can, and even, you know, you know how Likyp's do it, they usually say, oh, source which is oh, someone close to the, the dressing room or, you know, someone on on the periphery of the pro squad has heard that blah blah blah. So probably half of it is is you know fantasy. It's not a, it's not a, the most difficult headline and article to come up with, is it? Let's face it. Um, oh, some party is is making the players sweat and some of them can't handle it. Oh, shock horror! Who would have guessed? Um, so that, oh, training's too hard. Arms oh, sweating too much. Oh, there's too much running. Fucking, you know. You've earned this, you pricks, from being lazy and, and very poor for the first half of the season. You've brought this upon yourselves. You know, you, you didn't support your mate AVB. who was mollycoddling you and, and playing you regardless of form or fitness. And, and now you're reaping the rewards for that. You've got a proper coach who's not going to take any shit from anybody. He, he's backed by Longoria, who is, you know, is Hispanic as well, and who seems to be, really on board with Sampaoli and really, really, you know, adhering to his methods and and saying he's in charge, it's his way or the highway. So you're not happy to have shit, piss off, go elsewhere. We've, we've, We've seen enough of your lazy crap. We're not going to accept it anymore. And I think the fans are all happy that you're sweating and you're struggling and you're suffering because you deserve to. But the second part of the article was about the youth players that are not particularly... Enjoying the training sessions when they do get to join the you know the pro the pro team, um, and that they they some of them were being made, used as makeshift um, you know sort of um, flags almost for players to, pro players to dribble around, and all they were doing was um, doing really really shit drills and and complaining that they weren't being given given chance to actually participate and stuff like that. And less than two hours later, after that was published, quite a few people. Who were agents of youth players in, in the UN team came out and said this is absolute bollocks. All of the, all of the players, the youth players, are, are over the moon that they're, of they're being called up to the pros' training sessions. You know, cut the crap, Licky. We know you're talking shit yet again. So yeah, that
1: yeah, was obvious, said. wasn't it? That that was but yeah. bullshit. It's just it's not believable because you would, as you said, you would think that young players would be just excited, ecstatic about the fact that they've had the chance to train with the professionals it's just exactly mm-hmm. yeah, sorry uh, anyway yeah okay so that was that that story so the other one well one of the other ones we wanted to cover was about Van Toem. it's a subject you either love or you hate I guess um so obviously we um covered this story a few weeks ago we had um Ben Jacobs the uh, journalist um who I'm sure you as a Newcastle fan will be very familiar with, Kayleigh. Um come on and talk about the <laughs> Saudi interest in Marseille. And he's um, killed it off for us as well in the last week. So he's um, he's been a bit... You know, if you've not heard the episode, it's, it's worth going back and listening to. He talked talk to us for about an hour, didn't he, about um, Prince Al-Waleed's potential interest in... Purchasing OM but he's said in the last week now that he believes that his interest is ended as a result of McCur not entertaining or not um, or not um, sort of lowering his asking price. I think and, and reiterating that he doesn't want to sell. So, I mean, there's not a lot to say, but on this subject, because there's not a lot of detail other than that. But I guess my question is, guys, do you think this is dead? And we should finally move on, or do you, do you are you still just hoping that something's going to change? Whether it might be Al-Walid or something else, but yeah,
2: yeah. Um, as you can imagine, I'm kind of I'm a year deep in Saudi takeover talks between the two clubs, but um, uh, to be honest, I didn't get my hopes up on it on it anyway because I do believe that he does want that six hundred million or whatever amount is tied into the club and realistically in this climate, who is gonna pay there's also other difficulties in terms of what we've seen happening in the Premier League is that um obviously Paris are in the league, Qatar, backs it I've always maintained the position that it'll be more difficult to buy a club in France and than it would be in say Italy and then there's obviously rumoured interest in in Inter Milan. Um I mean, my personal standpoint is that I don't want Saudi investment, but the reality is that's the type of investment you need to compete with the likes of Paris, and, and that's, that's a reality, isn't it? But, um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think it's happening, I never really did for those reasons I've just cited, really.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's probably the right response to that question. Um, what about you, Ben? What, what are you? Is it dead for you?
0: Uh, well, we we don't know, do we? I mean, Ben Jacobs says one thing, and then less than three hours later, Vizierian's um, gone on some some YouTube video, something where someone asks him about what do you think of Ben Jacobs, and he was like, no, you know, forget him. You know, he's, he's useless. He's been wrong from the start. So. You've got you, you're going to have two camps. Whatever happens, if and when it does happen, whether it's now or in or in five years time, the same people will come up and say, "See, told you so," blah blah blah. So you can't you can't win, and there's no getting away from it. This topic is going to be ongoing for for months and years to come if it doesn't happen in the time frame people have said. But the, the latest non-official stuff was the you know the, the rumored 300 million transfer kitty for this this summer. Um, And and those people that were spreading that, um, I think it was on another podcast, um, you know, they were adamant that everything would get sorted and announced and officialized in in May. So let's wait and see. You know, if nothing happens in May, that will be for me, you know, the nail in the coffin of all these alleged in-the-know people who think they've got inside track and all of that crap, because... They would have lost all credibility at that point. What's, and
1: then... What a strange phenomenon amongst the OM fans, all these insiders. <laughs> just always reading about insiders. There's a lot of insiders I, I've that follow so Marseille.
0: Yeah, <laughs> what's <laughs> going on there? Be, like... this is the the, the, the <laughs> only club in the world that has 200 insiders that know.
1: Yeah, like the fans seem to know more than the press. <laughs> it's ridiculous, isn't it? Very strange. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was that story. So the other one, the last one, I think that we we're going to. Oh well, actually, sorry, was was about transfers, really. I guess wasn't it? So we were we were going to talk about one the fact that Milik. Um, there's been a lot of interest in him from Italy. So the but the, what we're told is that there's some sort of um, obligatory purchase option. I think on his loan that. Um, I think we've been buying for like 12 or 13 million euros, but there's also rumours that there might be an agreement to sell him in the summer if we don't qualify for the Champions League, which obviously we're not going to. Um, and there's been quotes of, I think, around 15 million euros, like he would be sold for 15 million euros if such an offer comes in. And yeah, certain clubs, there's that were linked with him before he came to us, Juventus mainly, I think. A, possibly Atletico Madrid maybe as well. Uh interested in him. Juventus one keeps coming up and up, coming back and back. So it's it's kinda he's made some comments himself that don't sound too hopeful from an OM fan's point of view. So it's yeah, I guess it's looking like he's going to go, isn't it? It's such a
2: it's such a um strange scenario. I don't it's it's really head scratching like why get someone in like that and with the obligatory purchase agreement and then <laughs> more or less you know say that you'll have to sell them in the summer if we don't get champions because it's been glaringly obvious for a long time that we're not going to get that so yeah i think those above need to be looked at for this one it's really strange
0: yeah, even, even at the time we signed him, we were already six points or seven points off, off third. <laughs> so it was wishful thinking because it took so long, didn't it? We were linked with him pretty early and then it took like three weeks to get the deal over the line. Um, it's not surprising. Look, Juventus wanted him last summer. Napoli, point blank, as they've been doing for years, refused to sell to, to Juventus. There were rumours that he'd tried to force to move through. And, and had been a bit dodgy, and, and as a result, had refused to extend his deal with Napoli, which led to... He would never have come if that hadn't have happened, because it led to him rotting in the reserves for six months whilst running down the final year of his deal, because the Napoli president, Di Laurentiis, is no pushover, and just wasn't accepting him going to Juventus, whatever happened. So that move was never going to be possible directly. So we were the intermediaries, and... Uh, Longoria has worked at Juventus, he's, he's probably still got mates there, We've seen, we saw the dodgy Ake, um, tongia swap, which didn't make much sense to any of us, which why the fuck would, would the club like Juventus want Marley Ake? But they've got him, and apparently he's showing some promise, who knows, maybe it was the wrong environment, like Maxim Lopez, who's done quite well in Italy. Uh, melich is, it is what it is, it's just disappointing that like Balotelli, and never You know, pseudo, top striker, um, top 10 in Europe, potentially, um, has used as a a sort of rehabilitation programme or rehabilitation spa for six months. Um, To be fair, I think he's much better than Balotelli was when he played for us, but at least he's banging in goals and we can tell he's a proper, proper player. He's someone who will have a good career after him, but it's just frustrating yet again that why, why do that for six months? Might as well get no one, no one in, and and splash proper money in the summer with someone who's who's going to want to be here for the long term, rather than get in some, you know, some temp effectively.
1: Mm, uh, yeah, I mean, firstly, I, I I'm I agree with you, Kiri. I just I don't think we should have signed them if it wasn't going to be a long term thing. I, I, uh, I I'm not. I'm not in favour of those kind of deals. Like, we didn't need it. Like, we weren't getting in Europe. It was already looking dead by that point. It's not like we were signing Messi for six months, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't see the point in it, personally. Um, and it does, it, as you said, but it does kind of remind us a bit about the Baratari deal. Um, in and out, you know, and it's just it's a bit disappointing. I'm personally one of the ones that still thinks that we... Made a mistake not signing Barateri. Should we have seen him? I mean, he did crap after he left us, didn't he? But I like—I thought he was good, you know. Um, I, I do, I do think but he's a good player, we, we and I think we, sh- him that we should have seen him like a year yeah, or two before we did, before. didn't we? But yeah, or even before that. Yeah, but... the summer. Yeah, the summer before is when we were linked with
0: him because he only had uh, a year left on his but, still and that was but, when we were linked with him, and it
1: just didn't happen. And then we yeah. got Benedetto. <laughs> yeah, and um, I mean, I'm—I I'm, know, like this, a lot of people won't agree with this, but for me, Barateri is probably the most parented striker we've had since dropper Um I mean I do I did I was a big fan of Lloyd Grammy when he was at Marseille, but in terms of pure ability and even you could see it when he came in the first few games, like first um just score when he wants to score like he was but anyway I M- Milik's M- a great player but um I I mean I think he's a little bit overrated by a lot of Marseille fans personally I think at times in the game he looks a bit slow and clunky for me and um I, I, get, I but I, I, I see that he's got quality but I just I don't actually know if he's the right player for the kind of football that we're playing though no, I would prefer someone who's a bit pacey and a bit more I know he's quite mobile, but I would prefer someone who gets around a lot more than him, and doesn't necessarily have to be an out, you know, a, a, a refined striker, with, you know, a perfect finisher, but someone who, a forward who's um, just got a lot of energy and and really good movement. You know, I I, I keep saying don't I, that I, I'm a big fan of Darwin Nunes that we never signed last summer, and I know he doesn't score a lot of goals yet, but I think they're coming. Um and I, I think that's the kind of player that we'd need up front. I'm not not really that we're gonna sign him, obviously he's out of reach, but someone of that kind of style, someone who's really mobile, got pace, can play out slightly drifting out to the wing but and through the centre, but he's got power, he's got you know, that whole package he just terrorizes defences with his um power and pace and and, and, and all know. Yes, just someone who really really contributes to the play Um, and I I think um, that's what we need. We need to find someone like that and uh, uh, if Milik's not there then that's fine as long as we get someone who can fit our system really well. Um, I'm not going to cry over his departure. He earns a fortune as well in his wages, so what was the point in selling Strutman or shipping Strutman out on loan to bring in a guy who earns I think even more, does he not? Um...
0: Yeah, I think he does. I so,
1: think he's,
0: he's on a similar level, but with bonuses, yeah. So he's
1: yeah, on a, he's not much higher than Streetman was, but yeah. Yeah. So um, we we said that we would try and look through the 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 deals, the all the other players that were that came to us, the signings that were unknown, that whether or not they would stay. So I suppose we could just do a quick, very like nee thing with them. So we've done Malik, I suppose. Um, in champ, <laughs> is he going to stay or go in the summer?
0: <laughs> I think I think the stories we've seen. So the, the the whole topic is that the last ten days, it's come out that apparently Longoria is, is would prefer to try and seek extending the loans for the Roland Bellardi rather than than paying the asking price that's been agreed because it is quite high for both of them, and we can't afford both of them. Oh, we can't probably afford one of them, but in any case, it just seems very high price tags for for players that have not proven much in, in football apart from this season. Um, but yeah, Encham the, the 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 rumor with Enchum is that he he's doing he's you know convinced and telling everybody that wants to hear it that he wants to stay at OM beyond beyond this summer. And it's like mate, we don't fucking want you. You're shit. You are shit. His stats. He's got the record in Ligue 1. So, in French football, since he's arrived, he's the only player to have been subbed off more than twice at half time of a game. I mean, think about it, it's quite an achievement when he's only been here for like 10, 15 games. He's, he's been subbed off at half time in three of them, including fucking Canet amateurs in the, in the French Cup. And it's like the guy—it's just not mobile. I, I just—I just can't describe what he, what he does when he comes on. He's, he's the most useless signing I've ever seen—or uh, uh, well, not ever—but it's just how can you be that poor? How can you be that poor when you're, you're taking a huge step up and we're doing you a huge favour by bringing you in when you're you know you're rotting on the bench at Celtics? And we bring you in and, and you're not even... You know, he, must, he can't be trying that hard in training if he's not starting. And Laguerre gave him a few minutes, but he, even Laguerre was subbing him off. So if Laguerre thinks you're shit, you must be bad. Um, I, I just don't know what else to say.
1: So what do you think about the others, like Ballard, De Lerola? Do you think those deals should be extended? Kerry, what's your thoughts?
2: To be honest, Millic's um, a bit different obviously but we've covered him but I'll probably keep the lady. but Lerola for me is a bit meh. I don't really have a great opinion on him I think we could get somebody better um, but obviously in charm uh, the only thing to say on him is it's obvious why he was the straw that broke his back really he's been dreadful
1: I quite like though actually I, I think he's really interesting going forward he can't defend very well but I I don't know I, I just enjoy watching him play um, I'm kind of if,
0: um, if if push came to shove Steph because I think you commented on this last this week on Twitter if it was a choice between him for renegotiating 9 or 10 million or Centons from Metz for 5 or 6 who would you prefer?
1: Oh um, I really like what I've seen of Santon's. And, but I would prefer him as a Sakai replacement, personally. I think if you've got someone like Lerola in the squad, you need um, your backup or alternative right-back to be someone who's a bit more defensive, preferably someone who's versatile as well. I think he's just perfect for that. He'd probably right, I think he can play left as well, can he not? He, yeah, I, I really like him. Um, I think I, I like I said, I like Lerola. I think he 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 really adds a lot in his attacking game, but Santons is a really good player to have. It would be good to have the two of them for me. Um, I think I believe you need two good full-backs at each each possession. So um, have them fight it out. They offer different things. Um,
2: yeah, I don't think the role has um, offensive qualities, which obviously he has, outweigh what he doesn't give defensively. And obviously, you need that against the better teams the is a reality. I mean, I, I don't really dislike him or anything. I'm just neither here nor there with them
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, what about Croissants? Anyone got thoughts about Croissants?
0: Same. I mean, if you could uh, extend his loan for another year, I'd be more up for doing that and then trying to get him for 10 or 12 next summer if he, if he confirms next year. Um, but again, um, you know, he had two great appearances, cameo appearances, him and Enrique couple of goals in, in two games in a row, but after the international break, he, he barely played against Dijon, he barely played against Montpellier, um, you know, he's brought on for like six minutes or something, so, you know, was it just a, a did he just find a you know, brief second win when Sampardi joined and he was maybe fitter than a few other people and that's why he got his chance and he took it? I don't know, I'd want to see more from him rather than, if we stupidly somehow have the money and we, go, we decide to spend 18 million on on loan, I'll be fuming.
2: Yeah, it would be much more sensible to take him on a loan option because he just he hasn't shown enough. And as you say, he, there's obviously been a reason why he hasn't been that involved, and he's getting cameos here and there. I, I think overall he's been fairly disappointing, but there is there is obviously something there, a the potential that could be seen with another loan, but. If you're gonna fuck that much money out for him, it, it's it would definitely be a no from my point of view.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think I agree with both of you. Um, that's just reminding me actually, and I'll just maybe say this as my sort of final thought before we we close the show. Um, and I was I was saying this to you. I think Ben in the uh, and the WhatsApp group was. I think um, we should with InCham clearly not having a future. Cuisance is a bit un- un- uncertain as well, and I think we should be keeping an eye on what's happening with Lopez. I know he's at the end of his contract. I don't know what's happening with his option to. Apparently, um, uh, so he's so, already signed
0: the four-year deal. Has he? Oh, you. fuck. Because I was under yeah, the impression
1: Party. that they hadn't exercised it, and I was thinking, well, if he ends up not signing there, you know, like, he's fighting back, train till he signs a deal, have a look at him. If he's someone that fits the system then why not give him another deal um, not that I was a massive fan of him before but just like thinking about the kind of football that we play whether it might suit him but if he's gone then he's gone so there's not nothing more to say but I thought he hadn't, he's still not signed the deal yet um, but anyway so otherwise we're going to be looking for midfielders in the summer aren't we um, but yeah I think that's probably it for tonight I think we covered a lot Um yeah, so it's good to be back. Um, thanks very much, guys, for, for taking part.
2: Cool, thanks, Guy.
0: yeah Pleasure. Take care, everyone. Speak next time.
1: Yeah. Um, so, th- yeah, thanks, everyone, for listening. And, um, yeah, d- um, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to us on iApple Podcasts. Thank you.